0: Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Other times, you need a deeper understanding of what's going on. The Rundown podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts. When former Mayor Lori Lightfoot created the trauma-informed Center of Care Network, she called for, quote, no-barrier mental health services. But according to a recent study, Chicago's model for providing mental health care is full of barriers. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The study was conducted by a group of healthcare professionals and community organizations advocating for the reopening of mental health clinics that closed under former Mayor Rahm Emanuel. A few of the problems they found were that some centers are unreachable by public transit a lack of availability during non-business hours, and some people having a tough time even booking an appointment to begin with. And this is the reality that so many Chicagoans seeking care face, especially the city's undocumented and uninsured. To hear more about the study, we spoke with our colleague Mariah Wolfel, city government and politics reporter for WBEZ. But before we got to the study, we had to turn to some breaking news. The city's Department of Public Health has a new commissioner.
1: Dr. Simbo Ige has, you know, nearly two decades, roughly two decades of experience in the public health field. Um, She currently works as the Managing Director of Programs at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, um, which is an organization that focuses on health equity. Um, She previously served as the Assistant Commissioner for the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Um, Yeah, as you said, this position has been vacant, and it's been you know, a a big priority for Johnson because particularly his priorities are really centered around health outcomes for Chicagoans mm-hmm. and mental health centers. And the reason that he nixed Dr. Allison Arwoody, the former commissioner, was because they didn't align on some of their health priorities and, and the method by which Johnson wants to serve mental health um Services to Chicagoans, you know, already oversaw former Mayor Lori Lightfoot's priorities and strategy, which differed quite drastically from what Johnson envisioned. Right. So this is a a big and
0: was on during a very challenging time. Of course, during yeah, during the
1: pandemic, yeah. and um and they have some disagreements about the handling of that as well. Um, but so this is this is big news because Johnson needs a strong commissioner in this position to oversee. His priorities at CDPH, which faces its own, you know, massive challenges, including the dwindling of federal funding. Yeah. Um, you know, that department is the majority of that department's funding comes from grant funding. And a lot of that is from federal COVID grant money. And so, um, you know, as he looks to reopen some public mental health clinics and oversee some other priorities um, like the Treatment Not Trauma campaign, um, you know, he's going to need a, a strong commissioner. And that was what opponents were kind of surprised by or critics said that, like, when you get rid of Arwitty, why why didn't you have a choice ready to go at right. that time? You know, why has the city been, you know, since August without a public health commissioner? And even before then, having a public health commissioner who, you know, Johnson allegedly wasn't really, you know, Collaborating with right, so. yeah. Well, Dr. Ige, do we have a start date for her yet? So I've seen um, December fourth reported, okay. and so you know, pretty soon here, it's soon November thirteenth. Yeah.
0: Well, you you talked about mental health clinics, so let's get into that survey. What does Chicago's model for providing mental health care look like?
1: Sure. So as you know, you know, former Mayor Rahm Emanuel before Lightfoot shuttered um, seven city run mental health clinics. There are five existing mental health clinics right now. There were 12 at the time. And um, Lightfoot, you know, instead of reopening those mental health clinics as advocates have, you know, advocated for, she Created a system where the city sends funding to nonprofit organizations, federally qualified health centers, which treat mostly uninsured and low income people, and other community organizations to deliver mental health services to Chicagoans. She's touted that there is, you know, at least one in all of Chicago's 77 neighborhoods, and that by funneling money to organizations that are already doing the work, um, you increase the amount of people who are able to access mental health. And so in 2019, for instance, before this so-called tick or Trauma Informed Centers of Care Network was kind of propped up, the city treated about 3,600 Chicagoans at its five mental health clinics and a small number of private mm-hmm. providers. And then Lightfoot said that that number just skyrocketed after the city started partnering with tick providers trauma-informed center of care providers um, and roughly around 60,000 Chicagoans received treatment just a few years later you mentioned trauma-informed centers just remind us what those are specifically sure so these these are centers that are you know Specifically trained and tasked with treating people who have experienced trauma, and they um, provide mental health care from a trauma informed lens. Um, and yeah, like I said, they're nonprofits, federally qualified health centers, and community organizations. And so when the city, you know, Says trauma informed centers of care, you you can think of that as the network by which through which the city funnels funding to provide mental health. And that's an alternative to reopening the city's public mental health clinics, which, you know, Lightfoot and Emmanuel. Um, and just like by fact have been underutilized for many years. So the survey talks about
0: how the services that they are working for some folks and they really aren't working for another set of folks. So talk us through the challenges people are facing when it comes to accessing care.
1: Sure. So the group assessed um, access by looking at several different barriers. And so that's proximity to public transit. You know, people need to be able to get to these centers. That is, you know, are there free services there? Um, Can you call and schedule an appointment? Is there a wait time. And they found that there is a wait time for the vast majority of centers between one to seven months to get an appointment. Um, Do you have an automated phone system that is like easy to use? Can you talk to a person? Because people, when you're distressed, I mean, obviously you're already dealing with so much it's difficult to navigate, Sure, um, you know, an automated phone system. And then there's a, another another one where um, do you have to have – it's called a medical home requirement. Do you have to have a general practitioner at the center where you're getting mental health treatment? And many said, yes, you do. You do have to have um, – a general practitioner at this center which can make it difficult because if you already have a routine in place a, a care provider who you know mm-hmm. um and who you trust then basically you're you're telling someone in order to receive mental health treatment at this city supported center you need to uproot your own I medical see. plan and transfer to us which can take even longer to do um and then you know after our um barriers so do, do these centers have you know after after business hour right. availability like nine to five and
0: that's it right. right right so the report also states that unhoused and undocumented people are facing more challenges to accessing this care sounds like because of a lot of what you just mentioned right,
1: right. yeah so so a total of 15 percent of the um of the surveyed organizations told researchers that they do not serve individuals who are undocumented um 81% of agencies said that they they did serve uninsured individuals but researchers point out that just 41% offer free services. And so, um, you know, that, that just does provide a barrier to people who are uninsured because if you don't have insurance, you're paying out of pocket. And so yeah. if the services cost money, up to $75 for initial consultation, according to the study, then that is just presents another barrier for low-income people. But you, you also write in your piece that
0: um, CDPH stipulates that patients can't be turned away due to reasons, including health insurance, as right. well as documentation status.
1: Right, and you know so why are some still getting turned away? I mean, that's a good question and CDPH said, you know, CDPH which did not view the full report but just some of its top level findings in response to us said that, you know, this funding opportunity, you know, for nonprofits comes with the stipulation that patients can't be turned away for services due to health insurance status, documentation status, or ability to pay. So if you don't have the ability to pay, these services should be free. You should not be turned away. Mm -hmm. Um, And that the city conducts, you know, quote, unquote, course correction um, when evidence indicates that a provider is not adhering to the expectations. And so in response, CDPH said we want to view the full report and we also want the names of these organizations that have reported, you know, not serving undocumented or uninsured. CDPH also questioned whether the researcher was talking to someone on the phone who knew that like patients could not be turned away. And so, you know, as a reporter, I experienced this too, where you call to get information about something and the person you're talking to isn't up to speed on protocols and doesn't know all of the requirements. But researchers pointed out that like, If the person answering the phone doesn't have that information, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make a difference for community members because, you know, that would theoretically mirror the experience that a community member would face calling. So if a receptionist doesn't know that you can't turn away an undocumented person, but an undocumented person calls and says, can I get services here? If that person doesn't know that they can't turn that person away, like that person still is not. yeah, Yeah. So, yeah. How's the city reacting to these findings? Well, the city highlighted that Mayor Brandon Johnson, um, you know, is prioritizing mental health treatment, including by budgeting for piloting two new public mental health centers um, under CDPH. So city run public mental health centers. And they said that, you know, the city is dedicated to, um, you know, uh, delivering mental health treatment, and then some of the things we just talked about, about how if this is happening, it's it's not right, and that, you know, they want to see the names of the organizations that have reported turning away undocumented or uninsured patients. And it's
0: it's important to note the need for accessible mental health services in Chicago. It's high for everyone, right, Correct. for all residents, but especially now as the city's struggling, as we've talked about so much on the show, to support this migrant crisis, Right. And and we're still reeling from the effects of the pandemic, which wasn't that long ago.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And so the the community for um, the collaborative for community wellness, the group behind the study, they did issue a map as well with um, their findings. And so they did, you know, like red dots for places that were unreachable or had incomplete information. They had yellow dots for places that have barriers like fees for services. And then they had um, green dots for places that had no access barriers, which is what the city you know has promised these providers would would do. And they only found five um, throughout the city that had no barriers. And I should say the city's five existing mental health public mental health clinics mm-hmm. were not included in this assessment. So these five that they found were some of the nonprofits the city is supporting. And if you look at that on the map, I mean there's there's maybe one that's south of the loop two or three or four on the north or northwest side or west side of the city and so if you look at you know just the access on the south side it it does not look good based on this map painting a very familiar picture yeah Yeah.
0: so um we're almost out of time and I know you talked to a bunch of folks including Arturo Carrillo who's a co-lead of the group that's behind the study he talked a lot about the city's uh inability to address the need for for mental health services. So in the last minute I have here with you, talk to us about what advocates want to accomplish with this information that's been gathered. What do they want? What's next?
1: Well, this group is one that's been advocating for the reopening of public mental health centers throughout the city. And they argue that, you know, even though the public mental health centers have been underutilized, they want to see the investment that's going to nonprofits, FQHCs, community partners to be invested into bettering the city's public mental health clinics, as well as reopening public mental health clinics, because they argue if those barriers are existing at CDPH clinics, the city can much better track and hold accountable those clinics than it can non a, a, a network of nonprofit and, you know community partners and mm-hmm. so that is their main ask um is is reopening the city's public mental health clinics mm-hmm. which johnson has you know what they call made a a down payment you know a good faith investment in with his budget this year in his piloting of two seems to be going in their direction mm-hmm. mariah wolfel is a city government reporter for wbez thanks for joining us thank you
0: this episode of the reset podcast was produced and edited by brenda ruiz along with linea dominic Did you know that we drop new podcast episodes daily? We bring you our latest reset conversations every morning to help you get started with your day and in the afternoon to help you wind down. So don't forget to like and subscribe so that you never miss us. That's it for this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons and we'll talk again this afternoon.